0: CougarFan.com Rise and Shop Podcast episode 441 or 2. I don't know if I adjusted that. Get all of your BYU Sports news at CougarFan.com. It's something. It's an episode something, man. It's four
1: hundred. it's 440 something, alright? I mean, it's a yeah. lot of shows.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of shows. Don't don't make me count. Nobody said there was going to be math. It's just a number. Just a number, that's right. Um, it's just a number. Uh, so Matt. Should we talk about Christmas movies again to open? I'm just kidding. I, I feel
1: like we've I feel like we've uh, we've covered that one.
0: Have we? Huh. I don't remember.
1: You know, it's funny. I listened to the opener where we talked where we talked about Christmas story and all this the other day. Yeah. So my wife with my with my wife. So we were sitting somewhere. I and I was I don't know how this came up. She she doesn't listen to the show consistently. So I turn the thing. I turn it on. We're going through the intro and. I tell this story about not having seen a Christmas story and she looked at me. And she's like, I did not know that that you had not seen the movie until after we got married. She had no idea. She had no memory of it, of that,
0: but it's a fact. So did you lie to her about it? Is that what I'm hearing?
1: No, I think she just forgot. I think she has like a way of prioritizing things that I say by importance and forgetting the things that, that make no difference in her life. And that was apparently one of those things.
0: That makes sense to me probably that fair makes, that makes i uh, talk a lot
1: you got to sort you got to wade through it you got to triage
0: it you do talk a lot i don't have that problem so i don't know what that's like
1: yeah it's not genetic
0: Mm-mm. no nope. no just you somehow nope. you slip through there well matt we got a big show today so i think it's makes sense to hop right into the tweet bag tweet bag we're gonna start out with some basketball. This will be the only basketball it was the only question we got uh from listeners, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna expand upon it a little bit. Uh this one came from Gary Payne that's at fast Break GP on Twitter. Of course, you can tweet at us at BYU underscore Rice Shop. How awesome was it to crush he who must not be named? There is a lot of hair out there on the football field. On the basketball field, on the football field. Oh yeah, that's right. Hawes, Tonga, and others did something change with the honor code. We'll get to that in a second. Hashtag tweet well, bag. It's, hashtag. It's not,
1: just, bag. it's not just the football team, guys. There's just a lot of hair.
0: Yeah, yeah. Tonga's hair is fantastic. It's um uh, it's very good. So Blowing let's go locks. let's go back to um basketball. Matt, we, we talked about last week. They had had kind of, you know, they've been kind of up and down. Really good victory for, against Utah. A decent team this year, as they go up against what will be the toughest team they've played this year um, uh, in, in a few days when they play San Diego State. How, how did you feel about that win against He Who Must Not Be Named and our rivals in Salt Lake City?
1: Uh, you know what? It's always good to get a win at home. Um, it's even better to get a win at home against the University of Utah. You know, I we've talked about this a lot. I'm largely indifferent to the University of Utah except for the moment during which we play them, right? So, um, but we needed the win. I think more importantly, um, we, we needed to pick up a win there based on yes, kind of what's did. going on going into conference play and what we need to do in order to put together a resume for the tournament. Yep. We needed to come back and win that game.
0: No, I, you are absolutely right. And... I think we saw that it was a couple of encouraging signs out of the game. First, we we'll won a game without Barcelo scoring a ton of points.
1: Oh yeah, I mean he was—it it was not his day.
0: It was not his day offensively, or at least shooting. Um, but I would say he had a very good game. He just—just just not in that particular particular way, right? The other pieces we're starting to see, and this happens every year. In every basketball team I've ever followed, uh, which is this, what do you do? How do you figure out that rotation? We talked about a lot with Rose that it seemed like Rose, at least in the last few years, struggled to get that rotation. It seemed to take too long during the season, right? But I think we saw with with um, with um, BYU on on uh, Saturday night. We've got the rotation of nine right now. Now, getting George only played a minute, so we're going to take him out. But your nine right now is Barcelo, Harding, Lee, Harms, Averett, Spencer Johnson, like out of nowhere, Loner, Harward, and Nell, right? That's your group right there. And yeah, yes, the people will flex in and out beyond that, including George may get some some time. But that's your group. And how about Spencer Johnson? Right. I
1: tell you 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 talk about Barcelo not having his day against Utah um and I I don't think you can really have that conversation without recognizing what Spencer Johnson did with his 16 points and 50% from beyond the arc.
0: Yeah. For sure. And and harms is doing harms stuff. You and I have talked about this. We followed him when he when he played at Purdue. He is blocking shots, creating some offense and uh but I think a uh, a uh, a player that might be key going forward is Howard, and how well, I mean, I don't, he's not going to shoot seven for seven every game uh, from the field, but, but can he create a true post present offensively? And then, and then Loner, of course, is an athletic freak. Um, if he can stay out of foul trouble, uh, he'll, he'll, and uh, not turn over the ball as many times as he did on Saturday night, he's going to be a big asset, but I think we've got our nine. I just think, as we talked about last week, I don't know why people think this team is going to be as good as they were last year when you lost three great players, but they might be pretty darn close if everybody here can get things rolling here in the next couple of weeks.
1: Well, and I think it's uh, it's also about recognizing people's roles, right? I mean, you yeah. talk about loners shooting a little bit, but you know this guy delivered nine defensive rebounds against yeah. Utah. Yeah, And that's a big deal in terms of preventing the opponent from getting second chance shots. And on the flip side of that, Harward comes up with three offensive boards and seven total, um, to go along with his, with his 15 points. And so I think what you see here is, is, you know, we had a conversation about depth and I wasn't as into the depth as, as some other people have said, but I think what we're seeing here is when one of these stars is not having their day. Um, at least in this case, there's somebody who's ready to step up and fill that role. Um, and the rebounding across the board, especially the rebounding kind of off the bench, I think is, has been huge. Yeah. Um, and so if that, if that continues and we get into that type of a rhythm, yeah, this, this is a team that could do something. Um, I still think this is a tournament team. Um, they, they might not be as close to the last year's team as I was hoping at the beginning of the season, but this, this is a tournament team.
0: Yeah, no, I think this is a tournament team. And I think, uh, I think the West coast conference has, has some quality this year. Right. I mean, St. Mary's isn't at their peak, uh, but I think you're going to see uh, I think you're going to see, you know, San Francisco has been a little weird uh, for sure. Right. Uh, I don't know exactly what to make of them, uh, but, you know, but they've been kind of up and down. Of course, you're going to get a chance to play the best team in college basketball twice, at least right in the regular season and, and get to really measure yourself up. Against that, so we'll we'll we shall see a big obviously Saturday night, Matt. I, I think I am assuming we're going to lose. It'd be great if we win, and that's a massive resume builder. But San Diego State looks pretty pretty tough. Not their football team, just their basketball team.
1: Yeah, just to be sure that we're uh, crystal clear here, we are not talking about their football team looking tough.
0: No, 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 no. Um, but that's not a thing. But on that note. Um, I playing against them in football reminds me of why I can't stand San Diego State fans.
1: But there weren't any. There's like no. There were no fans. Uh, Is it just? Is it the Twitter interaction? What? What is it? They got you. It's the
0: Twitter. It's the 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 local beat writers. It's the everything. local
1: beat writer thing was ridiculous. That guy was that a was that like a bait job?
0: Oh yeah, it's all bait jobs, right? Or a, mean, what that else was
1: ridiculous, right? It was it was like every dumb cliche about BYU season that anybody could find, like yeah, any yeah. piece of misinformation and dumb cliche all rolled into one article. Like it, it's I, I expected that to come out of the Onion or, or one of these other things. When I was reading, I thought, oh, this guy's just messing with us. That's what this is. This is he's just messing to, with BYU fans to rile us up. Yeah, I'm not going to give this any more time, right? Um, but yeah, it would, yeah. That's yeah, maybe, but like, I, 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 I uh, my Twitter feed, I feel like is kind of finely tuned that I, I didn't see a whole lot of that. Whatever yeah. the mess there was from SDSU
0: fans, I feel like I need to refine mine a little bit uh, <laughs> and get out folks that all seem to just go find those trolls and then fill my timeline with those trolls, right? Whether that's University of Utah. Utah State, San Diego State, and and I just don't want to respond to all that stuff. You know, you and I have talked about this many times on the show. When I was blogging and said something about San Diego State, and the mentions on that blog got pretty crazy. You remember that?
1: Yeah, that got weird.
0: That one got, got weird. real weird. That um, we disabled comments after that. Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> so hopefully they can win Saturday night. I I just think i would love to play San Diego state a month from now i think it's we're still coming into shape and and getting the rhythm together as a team so uh i they're just say,
1: so good defensively um you know they're what they're holding teams to fifty seven points yeah yeah i it's, uh, they're they're stealing the ball nine or ten times a game i mean this is just a this it's a good team uh I, I, and yeah. i think it's a tall order
0: yeah i i agree they're a top Probably a top twenty defensive team and a decent offensive team. Uh, it's not a it's not a great matchup for us at this point in the season, um, but you never know. Uh, you know, and we're kind of a, a mid team, right? Meaning, not just where we might rank, but but uh, you know, we're we're not elite defensively or offensively, but we're not terrible at either, right? At least in the first. Uh, eight games of the season which is actually pretty (laughs) remarkable that we've played eight games already so seeing that some teams have not been able to pull that off uh for lots of different reasons all right last week's show oh go ahead
1: i was just gonna say if we if we want to win this game i think our top rebounders i think about our top rebounders and defenders um mostly big guys uh, are gonna have to be above average in rebounds and blocks
0: well, we're just going to have to defend the perimeter better than we have in some other games where we struggled to do that, right? And Barcelo did that well against Utah. Um, you know, he, like I said, he didn't have the point fill the the lots of points, but he had what eight assists, played really good defense. I, you know, yeah, you you win however you can and let people play the role they need to in that particular game.
1: I think you just got to let the guys who score, score as much as possible and not give up second chance shots.
0: Yeah. I think that's a good,
1: we'll see how it goes, but it's going to be a tough game.
0: Good recipe. Uh, Last week's show, we talked about the, the moments in the coastal Carolina game that had the biggest effect or chance of BYU losing or winning that game. Uh, Jim Bowles via email. Of course you want to email the show. You can do that at rise and shout pod at gmail.com. He took umbrage with one of our assessments. He says, Gentlemen, I have to disagree on your assessment of the importance of Romney's drop of Zach's well-placed pass on that fourth down play. Any of that drive took pressure off of Coastal Carolina and stopped any momentum we could have built. That's a catch gunner makes eight to nine out of 10 times. It felt like a gut punch to me. Well, it definitely was a gut punch. That was not our argument for sure, right?
1: Yeah, I actually don't disagree with anything Jim says here, but I feel like my opinion is still unchanged, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were, we were assessing the likelihood that a change in outcome on that singular play uh, impacts the outcome of the game. And I, I think the point we made there is that it, it, would, it increases the likelihood that you score on that drive because you would have converted on that fourth down and it was a big chunk play. Um, but statistically speaking – what that does for your odds of scoring on that drive, you know, several plays later, um, I, I, I think is, I think it's low. I, I you know, you,
0: relatively low. Right. And right. compared to the other Co- place, compared we were to the other stuff
1: that we talked about, but absolutely. Yeah, Gunner makes that catch eight out of nine times, which is why he was frustrated with himself after coming off the field. And it was an absolute gut punch because it was one of those moments where you're like, man, this really just might not happen.
0: Well, and the other piece to this, uh, is, you know, You and I talk about this uh, fairly often, and we're not exactly aligned on this, but we're in the same ballpark. Momentum is not as important as people make it out to be, right? Uh, Let me take you to a game that maybe you watched last night between the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns, okay? Cleveland had all of the momentum in the world, right? They come back. They take charge. They hit this two-point. Did you watch any of this game? It was a fantastic game. I
1: watched a little bit of the game.
0: Um, and then Lamar Jackson either had cramps or he had to take a dump. Nobody's quite sure which, right? Uh, mm, and we all we all know what happened. Well, Lamar says that's not what happened. You know, so do you take him at his word or you t- take him at his potty dance into the locker room? I don't know. I don't know what you do. But anyway... The momentum flipped back and forth in that fourth quarter like four times. And the reason I say that is because there is no such thing, right? Like defenses can make great stops after offensive gives up a touchdown or they can fall apart and vice versa. The momentum thing is bizarre to me in a, a certain way because you're talking about three separate units, special teams, defense, and offense that are not playing at the same time right? Momentum to me is is more applicable in a flow sport like soccer or basketball or hockey, as opposed to a a sport like like football, where you're so specialized in doing your own things. And not that there aren't emotions, but I just don't know. I We didn't lose that game because Romney dropped that pass, right? And by the way, it was a difficult catch. It wasn't, I mean, it did hit him in the chest, but he was sliding to catch it. It wasn't like you know, it hit him on the hands on a on a on a slant route, right?
1: Yes. Were you looking for me to respond? Well, to that? I
0: just on the momentum thing. You're you're with me that momentum is maybe overrated.
1: I think momentum is overrated. I, I think at the end of the day, it really comes down to execution on individual plays yeah. in as in a, as part of a series, right? And so we you know we isolated some individual plays here, and I and I and I see the point that making that catch would have been a big momentum swing. Sure. Um, but I don't know that it's like a it, completely demoralizing blow to Coastal Carolina well, that would prevent them from, you know, from continuing to compete. Cause that's, that's the other thing too. When we think about when we thought about like the likelihood that the, that, that, change in play changes the outcome of the game, you're talking about converting that fourth down. And then what are the odds that you eventually score on that drive? Yeah. It goes up if you keep the ball, obviously, but relative relatively low, but then you got to think about what they do in response to that. And so is, does, is that catch or the touchdown on that drive totally demoralized coastal Carolina and put the game away? Um, I don't think so. I I think that the, uh, you know, the momentum maybe didn't swing quite as wide as we thought in either direction. If you look at how the game played out on the, on that final drive, because we clearly never felt like we were out of it. The team didn't, I did. Right. But, um, you know, and you know, and I, I did the whole throw my you know, oh geez, you know, we're not gonna be able to do this, which I, I feel like I never do. Um uh, you know, I, I feel like I, I I I hold I I keep the I keep the hope alive uh, pretty deep into games typically. But uh you know, and they proved me wrong and they came back. But, I mean those guys had I mean, all sorts of stuff had gone to push the momentum Coast of Carolina's way, and it didn't seem to impact the attitude or play of our players on that particular night. Right. I don't that I don't think attitude was a was a problem. I wouldn't yeah. question their desire their or their or their grit based on what i saw in that game
0: no no you you couldn't because you you were one yard away from winning it so yeah and i'm watching it from my couch right like i can't like i'm not gonna make that call Yeah, yeah um so let's talk about the bowl game but before that matt nobody asks us questions about the san diego state football game what i would say is this i'm gonna hand mvp trophy for that game to the offensive line and uh, to Katoa. I mean, everyone's oh, talking about sack and people whining about the defense, but Katoa on the, and I've tweeted this out a couple times off of our account, those blitz pickups he had on the Milne back shoulder throw and on the Isaac Rex touchdown, the, the difficult version catch, I mean, he took on linebackers and, and you know, uh Brady Hoke coach defense is always going to bring a bunch of guys at you. And if Katoa doesn't make those blocks and obviously the offensive lineman also on those plays uh did their jobs, there is no back shoulder throw to Mel cuz Zach wouldn't have had time to wait for the route to develop and there definitely is no uh you know drop in throw to Isaac Rex for the touchdown because he wouldn't have been able to to get to get set to make that play. So, I mean, Everybody talked about Zach, who had a terrific game. Uh, obviously, Milne had another fantastic game. Uh, but Katoa, man, that was to step up and play as well as he did with Algier not playing and to get, you know, I, I mean, he played almost every offensive play. He was out a few plays. But this was not a, a running back by committee on, on on Saturday, right? It was a running back by one. So, well, yeah,
1: and and he had a, you know, he had that huge play where he picked up half of his yards.
0: Yeah, yeah. in one well, carry. I mean, well, and that's the but, play that got me in trouble because uh I tweeted out that I thought that speed option play is stupid. Um but when uh Zach uh pushed it to him, I guess you're thinking of the running play. I was thinking of the passing play where he got he got the ball thrown to him on that speed option almost at the one yard line, right? Um right. That that I was uh I was upset about that play call because I just I don't like that that type of risky play inside the five. Uh and to the short side of the field. I'm not a huge, huge fan because it gives Katoa less room to do something. But in the end, Zach and Katoa made it work. So, you know, more power to him. All right. Well, let's talk about the bowl game. Uh we got a few questions on there. Randy Whittle off of Facebook. And if of course you could join the conversation at Facebook.com slash rise and shout. Thoughts on the bowl matchup. UCF is definitely a good opponent and the Cougs will have their hands full, but is this truly the best bowl matchup that we could have gotten? It seems like with our record and great press and respect this year, we could have landed a bigger bowl with a P5 team. Um, Jeremy Ashton via email, um, I'm gonna throw these questions together, Matt, a little bit. Feels like we could have ended up in the Boca Raton Bowl if we had gone six and five this year. Is getting bad bowl invites just part of being an independent is being undefeated our only hope to ever getting to a better bowl? All right, Matt. So you want to take a first crack at this, uh, at this stuff?
1: So um, I understand the frustration, right? I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd love to have us play a P5 team, but if we're talking about playing a P5 team that uh, you know is it like a, the mid to bottom half of a, a P5 conference, like, that's basically what we're playing. Um, so I, I don't know that I'm, I'm going to spend a lot of time being super disappointed that we're that we're playing uh, UCF in the bowl matchup. I, I think that the problem we're all having here is we're still war- mourning what we thought could have been, uh, you know, and, and it didn't and it didn't work out that way. And, yeah, what I've loved for ESPN to figure out a Las Vegas bowl matchup and put us in Utah in uh, that in the Raider stadium, whatever it's called. Yeah, that would that would have been fantastic. Um, but in terms of matchups, I mean, UCF. I mean, they're a respected team. They're a good team. And you you look at teams up in the top twenty, teams up in the top ten. Uh, you know, th- those teams are going to New Year's Six bowls. They're they're not playing wow. us. And then after that, you know, conferences have agreements with 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 bowls that are already predetermined and lined up. So yeah, unless unless we're going to go undefeated or whatever it, it takes for us to to crack into maybe just a little bit higher than where we landed today. Yeah, this is the type of ball we're going to play in. I,
0: I don't even know what that means. Uh, not what you just said, but the, the, the question about the bad ball matchups. Everyone's like, oh, remember the Las Vegas ball was so great. Oh, like in 2006 when we had a terrific team and, and ranked team and we played a uh, uh, six-win Oregon, or when we beat UCLA in 2007 and gave them a losing record. Like, why are those bowl matchups better than playing a good, solid UCF team? Who gives a crap about the P5? I don't care. Like, why do we care if you play a crappy P5 team? Why, why is that better? Right? Yes, I mean, the payouts potentially of better bowl games and Boca Raton doesn't have the biggest, But is, if we're talking just about the game, I don't see why getting a crappy P5 team is better than playing a good G five team. They're the same, right? UCF in the Pac-12 this year would have been like those teams, UCLA and Oregon from you know 14, 15 years ago. So I, I think people romanticize the good matchups we had in a few of those uh in a few of those bowl games like like you know we had that great matchup in 2009 against against uh against Oregon State, right? And they were ranked and we were ranked. But they forget that most of the time in our history has been crappy bulls matchups. I mean, we were undefeated in nineteen eighty four and we got a mediocre Big Ten team.
1: Yeah, but I think that's what people want. People want a mediocre P five team. They they feel like that's better. But is that really what you want? Like, I mean, if you just look down and I've just pulled up like Sagarin rankings, right? So if I pull that up, like would I rather play Mizzou? A five and four team. Right, that sure but, you might, but is ranked but is ranked lower by you know st- by this standard than than UCF. Like, would I rather play that program? Would I rather play Washington? So there's a comparable team in terms of performance and measurement for this year. Would I rather play Washington? Maybe. Um, but I I, I don't know. I, I just don't know that the gap is as wide as people are making it out to be. Yeah, sure. I mean, if you if you offered me a matchup with a with some other team in the top ten to fifteen.
0: Oh yeah, of course, of course. Yes, every day, day, every day, and so would the players. Yeah, yeah.
1: But beyond that, I feel like it's a whole bunch of the same. It's a whole bunch
0: of the same. It's. uh, And we were never playing on the nineteenth, or I I should say, never. We weren't likely to play a game on the nineteenth. I've seen a few people say, "Oh, well, this bowl stinks because then we can't play a game on the nineteenth and play a game later." We weren't playing a game on the nineteenth. I mean, everyone's like, "Oh, there's a few SEC teams. They." Have, have any of them played non-conference opponents? All right, Georgia's yeah. available. Guys, we're not playing Georgia this weekend. Why would weekend.
1: Georgia play us on December nineteenth? What what does
0: that do for them? Nothing. It does nothing for them. It right.
1: Makes, so, it makes them no money.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's. Like, is this the bowl location and team I would have picked? Of course not. I would have picked. Well, I said the location's fine. I don't care actually where it is because I wasn't going anyway. What, what were my choices? Lay out what
1: the what the potential choices were, and I'll tell you if this is the one I would have picked. Right, like would I pick this? What I would I pick Central Florida as an opponent over Auburn? No. Would oh, I right, pick right. Central Florida over UCLA? Maybe. Right. right. So like, what what were the real what were the real alternative options here? And and I think that's part of what. Why how why people are approaching this incorrectly is they're like well I'd rather play in a, of course you'd rather play in a New Year six bowl a New Year six bowl game than the Boca Raton Bowl yes yes everybody feels that way right but if you're asking me to compare the Boca Raton Bowl to the Frisco Bowl like, yeah whatever like I don't I don't know that I have an opinion there like my like that's yeah, my the, the difference between those two bowls for me would be driven by who the opponent was
0: well and that bowl isn't even. That bowl isn't even ha- not happening, even right? And yeah. if you look at UCF, they are proud It depends on which ratings you look at, right? But it's a top thirty matchup, right? It's a quality opponent. I, I, that to me is more important. Just like last year, everybody whined about Hawaii. Hawaii was a good team, you know. And and I would rather compete against the better team than compete against the better name. I feel like we complain as BYU fans about, oh, they favor the P5 and the P5 shouldn't matter. And then when we play UCF, who's been one of the premier college football programs of the last 10 years, we don't want to play them because it's lame. And you can't have it both ways to me. Either UCF and the G5 are legit or they're not. And we shouldn't, we don't belong in a New Year's Six anyway because we're not part of that club. You can't have it both ways to me.
1: Well, and here's the other thing, and I think this is, this is part of and I, I don't know, people may not like me saying this. I had this conversation with my not son right. earlier today. People't going people might not like this, but listen, I think the biggest reason people are th- those who are disappointed about this matchup are disappointed about this, is because when they look in the mirror of programs, right, they, they, and they think about the way they see US, BYU, what they really see is UCF. So does what I'm saying make sense? That's who we are, guys. This is let's, like it's it's a good analogy for where we fit in the college football landscape. It is where UCF sits.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, I agree and, with
1: you. And, and I think there's a large portion of BYU fans that don't want to acknowledge that fact.
0: No, they I mean, want we us to, to be. They want us they to. They want be us to be Alabama.
1: a competitive P5 team. And right, to, and today I don't know that if we were dropped into a P5, would we compete for a championship year in and year out? I think we would struggle to do that. And and and. Uh, and and maybe maybe I'm a maybe I'm a Debbie downer for saying that. Maybe we could get there, but I think today I I don't know that we're there. I mean that is very difficult to do and very few teams actually do that. Yeah. Right? So I but I think that's what they think that's the way people people envision us. Central Florida is a good football program.
0: Yeah, yeah. We should be excited and, and about a, good a matchup. Football program. For we Central should be Florida. excited
1: about this matchup. Yeah. This is a good team. Let's go down there. And let's see what we do against these guys. I think if you go down there and we play our best and 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 put together the type of game I think we can, I, I believe you make a statement here about the quality of your program.
0: Yeah, I agree. Much better than playing uh, a mediocre P5. Um, yes, so, I don't, I don't want to play Mizzou. Yeah, I don't want to play
1: Pitt. I don't want to play Minnesota. I don't want to play any of those teams. Give me Central Florida. That's
0: a yeah, good opponent. I'd rather, yeah, I'm with you. And I don't care the name of the bowl. It's irrelevant to me if it's you know, had some good matchups in the past. No,
1: nah, I wanna know yeah, I want to know who the opponent is. Give me yeah. somebody who, like that if we beat them, it's gonna say something about who we are, and I believe that's what we got. So l- well, let's go
0: do that. Well we're about thirty minutes in and not even close to where I wanted to get. So I'm gonna speed round through some of the rest of this stuff so we can get to the meat of what I wanted to talk about in this episode. Bunch of questions on the playoffs. All right. Uh our our opinions on this are clear. College football playoff committee stupid. Um, Sweeney asks if it'd be better to go back to the BCS and the Sweeney. computer rankings. The answer to that is yes. These should be decided by a formula, so you can take all this at least in-season bias out. Right? The formulas themselves might have some bias, um, but yes, it would do that. You and I are both proponents of an expanded playoff. I think you want eight. I want sixteen. But yep. we all – we we both think there should be expanded playoff. Uh, Jeff Johnston, who, by the way, he went to San Diego State. I, See, you're going to bring that up. You're going to bring that up. He I doesn't just, bring it up
1: here. He I, doesn't bring it up.
0: No, but he brought it up uh, this week on Twitter, and I either I had never oh, known did, this – He did share that. No, we knew this. I knew. I think we did know this before, and I think we've I did. given him crap he said, before. He
1: said something about it before. I think this has come up when uh, San Diego State – fans dressed up as missionaries with bike helmets at a basketball game. I I think somewhere in that conversation a few years ago, this came up.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, So anyway, he says, which measures do you like when ranking the actual quality of a college football team? He says his preference is proven analytics, number one, Massey composite rankings, number two, and he says proven analytics like SP plus, FE, I from uh, football outsiders, all that stuff. Massy composite ratings, lots of computers average. The AP poll because the writers watch these games. The coaches poll because coaches don't. And then that's his fourth. And then 874th best way is the college football playoff committee. <laughs> that and, sounds about right. And Sweeney uh, points. And
1: there's not a 875th option, everybody, just so yeah. you're aware. Yeah, You've exhausted all of that's the, options all the options when you get to eight seventy four.
0: That's option. It's better to have your buddy who who lives next door, who watches one college game a week, do it. Uh, Sweeney points out that when Barta was challenged on why does basically he was asked why does it matter why why does it if if you can lose to teams why does it matter to play the games I mean basically challenging Iowa State in particular and, and their ranking. And the answer to Barta was basically, it, we, he said we count all the games. But basically what he said is we only look at wins. Which is insane, right? <laughs> right? So like, bizarre. We, we, only, we only look at the wins. Uh, I mean, here's the thing. Every word that comes out of Barta's mouth is just crap, right? That we, the, he, there is Nobody's walking around going, oh, what he said makes sense. Right, and in the end, the college football playoff committee has been very terrible this year. uh It feels like worse than usual, but maybe I just that's recency bias, and I just don't remember before. I, right
1: I think they've just been exposed i think we I think what we got this year was a taste of a very strange year where the data came in for their evaluation at a weird cadence. They didn't have, you know, Big Ten games to really look at when they started. You had these cobbled together schedules for teams like BYU that made it, that may have made them difficult to evaluate anyway. Um, especially if you're just relying on the eye test and you know, you yeah, go calling cowherds I, like I, hear everything stuff. Th- I think we just exposed them. I, I think it was we found the weak spots and we exposed what they're really there to do, no. which is to distribute the money to the elite programs and conferences, the, and that's it. That's what they're there to do. I, I just
0: think this group is worse. Florida would have gotten hammered in previous years for losing to a to a bad LSU team. They would have gotten hammered. They wouldn't have gone down just one spot. I, I hear what you're saying, and you're absolutely right that they are going to protect their own. We, we 100% agree. I think this group is worse. Florida would have dropped four or five spots last year or the year before. Dropping one spot after losing to LSU is insane. Right? You know, they they really it's it, insane. You know, they
1: only they only dropped that spot because Iowa State needed to move up in case there was in case there was some type of chaos. But that's what I'm saying. All of that well, should be irrelevant. Iowa State moved up because they knew that they couldn't take Florida, and if something crazy happens here, they needed another option. So they've got themselves Texas A&M, and then they pulled up Iowa State because Florida couldn't be the other option, and it wasn't going to be Cincinnati either.
0: The other option is Indiana. You already have that. That's insane to me. Indiana?
1: Indiana. They're not going to do Indiana
0: almost beat Ohio State.
1: Not going to do it. Not going to do, do it. Iowa State beat who? In, you're not bringing in – well, no one. But you're not bringing in two Big Ten teams.
0: Yeah, it's they just, couldn't
1: bring them any closer. They couldn't bring Indiana any closer. None, that's but that's the whole problem, right? Is that stuff but like But That's having what
0: to make I'm saying. That is, is not is what's forcing us to see the, the, the where the breakdown but, here is. But that is not how they've played it in past years. I'm just that's what I'm telling you. Is that if if this was a different year, Indiana is sixth or seventh. I, this year has been worse. This group is Terrible, and every time Barta opens up his mouth, it's it's just complete nonsense. Nothing he says makes any sense to anybody that watches and covers college football, and that's why they're getting hammered every week by very intelligent analysts. But anyway, we've spent too much time. But on see, the but,
1: but listen, in a normal year, indiana's six and three, and Ohio State's eight and zero.
0: No, 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 no. Indiana's see, better than that this n- year.
1: Maybe okay, maybe. But oh, I, I'm just saying that there is weirdness here. I, I just – I feel like maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe this group is especially bad, but, like, we all see now that the emperor has no clothes. That's yeah, what yeah,
0: this yeah. is showing. Yeah, for. yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and that's the thing. We didn't have a shot, I don't think, at the New Year's Six anyway. But let's move on. No, We're in negative lane. Well, no,
1: Cincinnati, may. They, they may because they, they have to get in. Yeah, yeah, right. they have to get in. But they don't oh, have a shot. That's contractual. Off, I guess. Yeah, yeah
0: they don't, don't have a Clearly, they do not have a shot. At, everyone keeps losing, and they still can't get any closer. Um,
1: but Iowa State did.
0: But Iowa so, State did. That's right. So, um, I'm so but, mad. But it was not was a team. Cincinnati, who by any metric is better than. I would State. be
1: so mad. I would just be incensed if I were a Bearcat fan. I'd be yelling Bear, bear down.
0: Yeah. If you had, uh, if you had a Ben uh, uh, Benturung, uh Benturung. jersey. Uh, so next year, a couple questions on next year. Uh, I kind of want to skip these. I don't want to talk about next year's yet. So, all due respect to Ryan Sorensen and Sweeney, I, I think we just move. We'll talk about that in the off season. Let's not talk about next year yet. Let's stick yeah, on this year. A lot
1: about the injustice of the of the playoff committee yeah, right now. I'm yeah, a little yeah. fired up. So we we should probably yeah, yeah, it's, not.
0: Let's move on. Let's move on. We we'll, we'll, we have all off season to talk about next year. Let's talk about what I, 37 minutes in, what I wanted to spend most of our time talking about, which may not happen, is celebrating this 2020 football season. All right. Uh, Johnny John Brame, that's Johnny Dangerman on Twitter, said this. In the last year, we've had both the basketball and football teams significantly exceed expectations. That's true, right? Both cases.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What an incredible year. No question. Just gratitude for a great year to be a Cougar and not a great year for much else. So I wanted to go through, I'm with John on this one. Let's talk about how awesome this season was. Now, here's the thing. I got called out by Eric Mateos for some negative tweets on, on Saturday night. And then Eric and I ended up having a a direct message exchange and kind of cleared the air on that stuff. But he was right. My tweets for Saturday night, the four or five I did for that game were all very negative. And I don't know. Maybe I was just in a bad mood. We won 28 to 14. There should have been yeah, some positive.
1: What were you upset about? Like, what yeah. What were we all upset about? Well, we I mean, all still had a bad taste in our mouth from the week
0: before. That's, that's really what, what it happened. is. It's really, It's really. I think, that among other things. So let's talk about and give out some awards and talk about the awesomeness of, of this year's football team. So, so, Matt, if you had to give an award to a coach who's maybe, to John's point, exceeded expectations this year. So all of these are about really exceeding expectations for what we thought coming into the year. What, who's the coach that you would give that to for this year?
1: Well, I, I I don't mean to steal your potential thunder here, but you're allowing me to
0: go first. Yes, of course. I, I'm magnanimous.
1: You know, I think that if you look at a unit that seems to has, have like really outperformed this year, I, I think you've got to talk about Eric Mateos' addition to the coaching staff and what he's done with this offensive line. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we have got an offensive line now that's consistently ranked as one of the top in the country. They're a finalist for the award for being the best offensive line unit in the country. Now, they may not win that cuz we don't run the ball enough, but we've also got I mean, we got a couple of guys here, the people are talking about being draft picks. We have two or three guys that are going to play in the league. Yeah. And if you would have if you would have said that to me about these same guys a year or two ago, I I wasn't I wasn't calling any of them draft picks. So I and and I don't mean to discount their own work ethic and their own hard work, but I think some of that has got to go to the way they're being coached. And I'm not just saying that because there was a, you know, because the two of you had a weird, you know, an unfortunate run in on Twitter. I'm saying that because I really think it's true. like that team. Yeah. He's, he seems, he's a good guy, clearly by, but, um, but I, uh, the, I I just, I think that's the, that's the unit. That's the coach.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great pick. I'm not going to pick that actually. Um, I'm going to actually pick and look at, at just the the offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes and obviously he brought in Mateos and deserves some credit uh, for that I, I just as I look at that Matt I I, I look at the improvement in this offense uh, this year and obviously we'll get to Zach Wilson here in a second because you can't talk about this year I mean we're the fourth best offense according to Football Outsiders in football okay in a weird year I get that but you look at last year; we were fifty seventh in offense. That's a massive improvement. Now we also had uh, a great uh, improvement on. No, I'm sorry. We're eighty eighth. Is that right? Where did I get that? Uh, I don't.
1: I don't know where you got it.
0: Yeah, offensive rank. We were sixty fourth. Sorry, I was. I was looking at our overall. Was sixty fourth in offense. Right. That's a massive jump. 60 spots in a season. Uh, So hats off to to Jeff Grimes. And I just think the play calling he as time has gone on him and Roderick or whoever else is helping craft the 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 you know, that script for the game to start off and then deciding what to do as this as time goes on. There's just it's just it's just better right? I mean, the results are better, but also just, it makes sense despite my frustration with the short side speed option uh, on, on Saturday, right? Um, I, I, I would give it to Jeff Grimes, but Eric Mateos is a, is a great pick. Uh, let's talk about biggest improvement. Alex Saunders has, uh, has, a, has a nominee, Matt, that's at AlexSaunders90 on Twitter. When is the last time you saw a player make as significant an improvement in play from one year to the next as we saw from Zach Wilson this year? And who was that player? Uh, so, so, so Matt, is there a player you can think before this year who where maybe we've seen that kind of one-year improvement? Um, can you think of Can you think of somebody?
1: Uh, the one that pops out in my mind is uh, Ezekiel Ansah.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, you know who kind of went from. You know, it's sort of an afterthought on the defense to, you know, an elite player to a top draft pick um, over the course of a single season. I, I um, You know, and there was a whole there's a whole scheme around that 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 helped him. But I mean, he that guy was an athlete. And once he figured it out, he took a significant jump from one year to another.
0: Yeah, I'll give you another one. Steve Young. Yep. Uh, junior year, 18 TDs, 18 interceptions and 140 QB rating it wasn't that it was a terrible season i mean 3100 yards uh passing and 400 yards and, and 10 touchdowns rushing right so it wasn't like he was terrible or anything but the next year 33 touchdowns 10 interceptions 168.5 QB rating another 444 yards on the ground and obviously just better results from a team perspective too um but the 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 this might be more dramatic, Wilson's, right? Um, I mean, it is it is pretty dramatic uh, versus last year, but part of that you have to take in that he was hurt last year, right? So, so um, you know, I think the better comparison is maybe the improvement over his freshman year, which is still quite dramatic. Um, but there aren't many times you see this kind of a leap. I mean, usually as players improve, it's more is more, uh, you know, steps, right? Um, so is he your biggest improvement player from 2019 to 2020 Zach?
1: Um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say yes, because the other guy that I would think about here, I'm actually going to call my biggest surprise.
0: Okay. All right. I am also going to pick Zach Wilson as the, uh, most improved if you will, uh, from last year, but there are a bunch of other candidates, some on the offensive line that we talked about, obviously in the receiver core, um, and then Algier had played a different, different position, right? So, um, so there's a lot of people you could pick there. So biggest surprise, Matt is next. I'll let you go first. Sounds like you got somebody in your brain.
1: So I, I don't know how the biggest surprise here is not Tyler Algier. Sure. Um, you know, we went, you know, you go earlier in the year, we did our preview. I talked about what I was going to happen, what I thought was going to happen in the running game. Um, You know, this is a guy that was, you know, this he was a linebacker. I mean, he's been all over the field. We haven't figured out, you know, they've, they've been trying to figure out where the best place was to play him. And, you know, they've got this philosophy of just get your best athletes on the field. And there was a spot there. So they put him, they put him in and boy, did that pay off. Um, you know, maybe the coaching staff saw that coming. Maybe people in and around the program who had a little bit more visibility into his development saw it coming. But I sure didn't. And that was what a pleasant surprise it was.
0: Yeah, he's had a, just had a terrific year. Uh, I mean, I, I love that pick. It's a great pick. I, I'm going to pick a little different. I'm going to go with Dax Milne on the biggest surprise. And and I thought Milne would be a good receiver this year. Uh, I think he showed some good stuff last year. I, I just didn't anticipate um, this type of effort, right? Not effort is the wrong word. Result. I didn't anticipate this level of results, right? Um, I mean, he has been a beast. I mean, you look at that back shoulder throw just on Saturday night, and he's made a couple of those. That's not an easy catch right to stop, readjust to the ball, and make that catch beautiful throw too obviously but but some of his catches have been have been pretty remarkable. Romney obviously has done well powell has has had a good uh solid season this year but but to me, Dax Milne might be my biggest surprise. Heck, a couple of years ago, I didn't know if he would ever make it as as, you know, one of your top two guys. I didn't think he was going to be. I just thought, yeah, he's he's got some talent, but there's you're gonna get new guys who surpass him. And that of course did not happen at all. Heck, he might be this might be a top what, three wide receiver season in BYU history.
1: It's up there. I mean it is it's up there. He's had a heck of a year.
0: I mean, just a yeah really good a really really good year, and I as we talked about in the preseason, I was all and Romney's had a very good year too. I was all on Romney as the person that might have a season like this, so it wouldn't for me Romney wouldn't be that right if he had had this same season that that Dax is having offensive most valuable player, and I'm gonna do something not named Zach Wilson
1: oh I I feel like i got to take Zach Wilson here.
0: But I said and you can't I, take him.
1: Oh, I thought you were just going to not take him. So I was just going to go ahead and take him.
0: No, no. Um, we can both – this isn't a draft. We can both pick the same person. But it's obviously Zach Wilson. So who would be second, I guess?
1: Um, I'm going to say it's Dax Milne. I know yeah, we keep talking about the same people in here, but holy smokes. I mean, look at this guy, right? I mean – Yeah. 1,100 yards. Um. You know, clutch, key plays. Uh, you know, he's – and, and you, know, you already talked a bunch about his improvement. But, I mean, Dax Milne one of the best players on the field.
0: Yeah, I, he's been phenomenal and one of the best in um, – one of the best in college football this year, right? Uh, without, yeah. without a doubt. I would say I'm going to go with Brady Christensen. Um, I think he's played an elite level. Had you know uh, you know missed a few things against Coastal Carolina because heaven forbid he's not perfect, uh, but I mean on I think it was Christensen on that one of those and if I'm if I'm uh, if I'm <laughs> I should go back and check but he had a couple of great uh, plays on Saturday night right in the run and passing game and it, it it can be a dominant force but Milne's not a bad pick heck Algiers not a bad pick either right.
1: No, yeah, I think you I could, could defend any of those picks. Any
0: of those picks, uh, defensive MVP, Matt. This one was a little harder for me. Who you got?
1: Um, I, this one wasn't super hard for me. I I, I land with Isaiah Kafusi here. Okay, um, that's
0: a good pick. You
1: know, and and statistically, I think you know, what he I think he delivered statistically in several categories. Um, you know, was was basically universally available. Um, all season long. Yeah. Uh, was a was a leader on the defense uh and, and, and provided a spark so I, it's just kind of all around like the tangibles the intangibles the whole the whole package i feel like he put it together for the defense you know four yeah. sacks um you know four and a half tackles behind the line, line of scrimmage defended a couple of passes recovered some fumbles uh, led the team in tackles by a pretty wide margin actually um you know they're top two or three guys but he's kind of out there at the top. I um, mean that's where you want your tackles to be made, so I I, I think I got to go with Isaiah Kapusi.
0: Yeah, I I think that is a a great one, and I think that would be mine as well. Um, I think you could also as maybe uh, um, honorable mentions you could include Wilgar Tonga, um, Wilcox. Uh, we've had a you know obviously he doesn't have the the uh, numbers, but he. Uh, doesn't have the
1: numbers because nobody threw the ball at him. Right, right.
0: That's what I'm saying. Like, but it was and and heck, if you want to go with a surprise on defense, is Udo. I mean, he had uh, three sacks, which is uh, which was what <laughs> uh, tied for third on the team with Kafuzi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there were some performances there. Let's let's talk about the defense for just a second before we move on to the next award. Um, I didn't get the defensive scheme. I didn't like the too deep. On San Diego State against the team that was in the box, maybe it makes sense with the field conditions being what they were. So well, the you... south
1: end zone was a skating
0: rink. Oh, there was there was. I mean, Warner got Warner got his cleats caught in ice a couple times, right? Uh, where he just couldn't move the way he usually uh, would would move. Um, and obviously the the uh, uh, Brookshire or whatever his. His name was um,
1: he got bit by the ice monster. yeah he might oh, he might man. have
0: had a touchdown uh, there oh. um, but but my question is this Matt, you have been critical of tuiyaki in the past. I have been a tuiyaki defender um has got a, a top this is a easy no matter how you slice it, this is a top 30 defense. So I, I if anybody's thinking we're gonna fire tuyahaki, uh, the more likely scenario is Tuiaki gets hired away to coach at a bigger program than us firing him. So, yeah, uh,
1: well, no. yeah Tuiaki is not going anywhere, guys. No, and that's I, and just I really silly. That the tail of the tape on this season for Tuiaki. This is the best example, and this is where I kind of come around on Tuiaki. Is I I sat in the stands for the game here in Houston. Yes, and and watched what we were doing defensively in the first half, and and was and and I I didn't get it. You know, and again, I'm watching from the I'm watching from like the top row of the stadium here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, like I'm not, you know, I, I'm I'm a fan, right? I'm I don't do this for a living, but and I didn't get it. I didn't understand what we were doing defensively, and and I felt like it was causing some problems for us, right? So it was that time you're going into the half, and I'm like, well, we came out hot, and then we gave up these points, like. Yeah, what are we doing? Then we came out in the third quarter, and clearly we had switched. We were, we're going to be running a lot more man, and that became obvious really quickly. And I turned to my son who was sitting next to me. I'm like, oh, geez, that's a risky, that's a risky move. But, you, but it worked. And it was an adjustment in the half that was completely based on what they, were, what they saw during the game. And this is, this is the thing that everybody always – this is the dumb thing I've whined about and other people have whined about with Tuiaki is where they didn't understand the adjustments. And this is just the best example, but there's other examples that, where they've made decisions in games and, and made adjustments. I, I, I didn't even talk about some of the stuff that they did early in the second half of coastal Carolina, where they identified kind of what was going on and what that offense was doing and, and made some adjustments to the reads. It looked to me like they made adjustments to, to the reads that the defensive line were making and how they were going to key on them. Um, but the, the, those adjustments were made. Now, it, Coastal Carolina worked out a little bit differently, but there, you know, the, a football game has made up a lot of components. But the but the Houston decision clearly paid off.
0: Well, and, and so what's yeah, the
1: knock against Tuyaki at this point? People feel like it's vanilla. I mean, but the just knock against Tuaaki f-
0: for this year is the yards she gave up against Coastal Carolina. And, and yes, it was frustrating. There's a lot of pieces to that. There's a yeah, lot of pieces. Th- it that. was frustrating, but they held Coastal Carolina. You and I talked about this before, when our preview for that game. The offense needed to score 30 points. Now, it turns out they didn't even need to score 30 points, right? Um, Coastal Carolina was going to score points. They are a very, very good offense. So you can't say, you can't hold the defense to some insane standard of they should shut out every team. Because not even Alabama does that, right? So, I mean, that doesn't even make sense.
1: In Coastal Carolina, really, what it came down to is they needed to get that team off the field on third down, and that team historically all season had been good on third down. Nobody had been able to get them off the field on third down. Might be, yeah. And I don't—I'd have to go back with the numbers. Maybe we were a little bit better than everybody else, but they were—they excelled at converting, setting up reasonable third down situations, and even converting on you know third and mid distances.
0: Well, and the defense made some key stops in the second half that gave the offense a chance to go win it twice, right? I so I get. I get the frustration in that game. I was frustrated a couple times too when it just seemed like, uh, you know, everybody knew what they were about to do and we still couldn't stop it. And that's frustrating. But imagine what it's like playing against Zach Wilson this year as a defensive coordinator when you know exactly what he's going to do and he throws the perfect ball to beat you. And that's, to me, Coastal Carolina just executed at a really high level. And as a defense, there's, there's only so much you can do, right? Both from a scheme and uh, a, um, you know, effort and a, um, you know, talent perspective when you're playing against another really good team, right? I mean, we weren't going to shut, uh, Coastal Carolina wasn't going to score 10 points, right? They were going to score more than that. We knew that coming in. Um, we knew that coming in. All right, our next award is uh, special teams MVP. I feel like there's only one choice here, with all due respect to, uh, to our our terrific punter.
1: Yeah, it's old Droid.
0: Good golly, what a season! He could win that, you know, kicker of the year award.
1: He's gonna make him. He's made himself some money this year.
0: Uh, and and what's funny is a year ago, we we thought we didn't have a kicker because both of them struggled. Which reminds you again that sample size is one thing, but the other thing is, you know, guys can improve, guys can go backwards. I mean, it's they're human beings, right? Um and Oldroid I mean kicked a rock. You said like they heat the balls on the thing. He confirmed that he kicked a he kicked a rock. He replied to Jerem Jordan on that. So I don't <laughs> think that ball was very warm that he kicked. No.
1: I can't imagine that it was. Um, and we've already all forgotten about his 54-yarder against Troy. Do we even remember? Do we, do we no, even it's feel too like long ago. It feels like that game was forever ago.
0: It was too long but ago. But this
1: guy has, obviously, if you look at his completion percentage, consistently delivered this year.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he is, I, mean, I mean, yeah, he hasn't missed a field goal, Remar- right? Like, an,
1: elite, I mean, an elite season. I, have, yeah, have we ever ranked a- kicker seasons? No,
0: have I have not Have we ever had a kicker
1: that. perform like this? Uh, not quite, if, like this, not Payne, quite like this, but pain. like this.
0: Payne had a terrific year. Payne was good, and uh, Payne
1: had some big hits that everybody likes to lose. Well, at, and, right.
0: and he punted and kicked, right? So so I guess Payne kind of wins uh, wins because he did both, right? He was like, a punch
1: the size of a linebacker. So well, it was it's just like a little ridiculous.
0: combined with Oldroyd, right? Plus <laughs> 20 pounds.
1: Um, hand combined with Oldroyd combined with Rob Morris.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Kind of like that. I mean, my, my wife, we've talked about this before. My wife went to high school with the Payne brothers and, you know, uh, they were really good athletes, right? They, they weren't just kickers. Not that kickers aren't good athletes. Don't take that the wrong way. Uh, most of them are much better athletes than I ever have. These
1: been. guys all play football at the Division One level, which is which is an achievement I have yet to unlock.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think I'll be getting that one. Uh, favorite moment from the, the season, pass. Matt? What's your favorite moment
1: um, or for game me, or something? No, my favorite moment here is is really easy, and it is the touchdown pass, the seventy-eight yard pass from Zach Wilson to Dax Milne mm. to open up our offensive performance against Houston.
0: Yeah, that's a great. That's a great one
1: you know, 2020 was, is a tough year. This was a tough season to get to see a game in person was, was pretty remarkable to be sitting there with my, uh, with my kids, um, and have Zach Wilson throw that pass. I mean, it's Paul's just placed perfectly. Dax goes up and gets it. Yep. Sheds the tackler and he's gone. And, uh, it was like, you know, those, you know, those, those moments as a sports fan or like real elation. And you're like, we are, this team is unstoppable. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and and that and that's exciting and and it is for exciting. me like that that pass and watching that touchdown get scored is for me like that's an all-time favorite memory for me for as a BYU football fan.
0: Yeah, that, that one point. that one is fanta- fantastic. Uh I also go to the Houston game um but I'm going to pick a different pass to Milne. <laughs> is in the fourth quarter on that 3rd and 15. Mm -hmm. where I thought it's going to be a field goal attempt uh, and gosh, Houston's going to get the ball back with a chance to go beat us. Right. And instead he completes that pass to Milne. Uh, I mean, there's so many good moments and Wilson has been so crazy good this year that, I mean, just your, that back shoulder throw against San Diego state, which isn't top 10 for me, but it's a heck of a throw and catch. Um, you just we're so used to him now that when he has an incomplete pass, we're almost like shocked, right? Like, what he was off. Tar- He's. I mean, I remember. Was it uh, which game was it? UTSA where he had a couple of throws off and people uh, you saw on Twitter. Is he hurt? Right. <laughs> no, he threw an incomplete. No, pass. He, like, he just was not- out of rhythm for a couple of plays. Right, like uh, that. That happens to any, even the best. Um, athletes in the world right have off games or off couple of minutes um you know so but but, I, but
1: one of the other things i think is, is interesting about this season is anytime wilson got pressured people are like oh how's he going to deal with the pressure which is a great to have to ask that question because he had clean pockets and clean shirts all season long
0: well i saw when you talk some... about a
1: highlight video of this season i mean there's going to be a lot of pictures of zach wilson with plenty of room to throw
0: the football so, Matt, favorite player, and by this I mean somebody outside of the group we've talked about. It's somebody that you just really enjoyed watching this year. Obviously, Zach Wilson, that would be easy that we've already done that, uh, but talked and and sung his praises a bunch on this show over the year. Um, but who's somebody else that was a favorite of yours?
1: So, you know, somebody uh, who I feel like I didn't get to see enough of, and I wonder what it would have looked like had we got a whole season of him is Tyler Batty.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, Baddy played fun to watch. Batty
1: played in four games and still produced four sacks and five and a half tackles on the other side of the line of scrimmage. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, that so for me, like that one that one's a lot of fun. Um really enjoyed him. Uh, Zach Daw um yeah, is, yeah, is for also sure. in that space for me. And and I think there, there's a little bit of me that loves the backstory to Zach Daw. Um and and also what what he did on the field. Um uh, you know, I, I could keep going here. I mean, and then you think about some of, you know, you know, Hodge coming back and Tristan coming back and playing after being yeah. out sick for so long and the way that he was able to play, especially oh, in that first fun. game back. Um, uh, You know, I, you know, I love good, good line play. And Unfortunately, there's not like a good statistic, right? Like you have to look at what the other players are doing in order to gauge statistically how you feel like that, that line's performing. A lot of that's by feel and look, but uh uh, as a unit, they've been a ton of fun. I mean, we, you know, we talk about you know, historical uh, offensive line units. Um, you know, and I go, and I know. I always go back and talk about the '96 team, but that '96 team was pretty deep, and they put a couple guys in the league. Yeah. So, you know, so I, for me, those those are the players that stick out, or some of those players that don't. Maybe didn't have the flashy stats. Maybe didn't. Maybe we didn't see as much of them as we wanted, but it, but really have been a lot of fun to watch them uh, kind of d- deliver on a high level.
0: Yeah, um great those are all those are all really good. Uh I I think to me, I've just always been a big fan of his is Lapina Katoa. I just love watching him play football. He plays hard. I thought he improved year over year. And he got passed on the depth chart by Algier, who had a better statistical season than he did. And then when and he also, you know, had a little bit of injuries. But then in this big game against San Diego State, this rebound game after a tough loss against Coastal Carolina, he comes in and has an amazing game. Yeah, I mean, not uh, you know, not any record-breaking game of some kind, but 13 carries for 83 yards, four catches for 47, and like I said, two key blocks where I don't know if we lose because obviously uh San Diego State would have still had a score um but could have changed the outcome of that game on two blitz pickups that I don't know if he did a year ago if he would have uh been as good at that as he as he was this year, and that just shows the work and effort that the offensive staff has put in, but what he's put in to recognize those blitzes be in the right place, and make the block um you know I was watching people have shown that highlight of when Jordan Leslie got absolutely mauled in the last time we played central Florida should have been a offensive, uh, should have been a defensive pass interference. You've seen that play recently uh, yeah. floating around. Um, and, and Jordan Leslie was the same to me. I love these max effort, hardworking folks that aren't necessarily the stars, right? They're not the one with the biggest gaudiest numbers, but if you don't have three or four of those guys on both sides of the ball, doing the little things, you don't end up having these big plays. And so Lepina Katoa is is for me. Um, All right, your favorite game to watch this year. What was your favorite game to watch?
1: So I'm going to come away from the Houston game because I've talked about it a lot, and and, and I think we all know that I got to see it.
0: You got to see it. That's pretty cool. But
1: I think really the game I enjoyed watching the most was the Navy game. Um, You know, you come into a season, you're not really sure what you've got, uh, the schedule's been thrown together at the last minute. I mean, we did, we had more than two or three days notice for Navy, but it, you know, it was <laughs> kind of like this. It was like our first foray into like short notice football against a team that traditionally has put together a pretty good offense. And I know Navy's not a world beater this year, obviously, by any no, stretch. No, they
0: are, they did not have a great year, unfortunately, but, for them.
1: But, oh, my gosh, the way our team came out, the way BYU came out and physically dominated that game – um, was just, it was awesome. And, and yeah. it was, it, it got you so excited for the rest of the season. You're like, I don't know how this season's going to go. The schedule's a little bit weird. We didn't even know how many games we we're going to have at that point. We were still picking over unders at like seven or something games. Yeah. And, um, but to see them come out and just roll over this team was, was a ton of fun to watch. And I don't know that I've, I've seen, I, I, I'd have to go back and look at seasons and think about, a game that I felt like got me more excited uh, to see the rest of the season than that win against Navy.
0: Yeah, that's a great one. I I thought about picking that one, but I ended up picking Boise State, right? So I remember being a little tense at halftime. We're up 16-3, to feeling good, but still like this is Boise State, right? And I know they're on their third-string cornerback, but we had beat them the year before with the third string. Uh, and to be is now when I ask if the quarterback plays defense. Yeah, you can ask. Or that. do I let
1: Kalani ask yeah, that question?
0: Kalani can take care of it. Um, <laughs> so awesome. But I think Cade Finnegan. Their problem was not Cade Finnegan that night, though he had some rough plays. Their problem was the third quarter when they gave up twenty two points. To, their problem to, was is to we were just we,
1: listen. The problem was is we were just a lot better than they were, Finnegan or not.
0: Oh, I mean, that was yeah. Yeah, we just that third quarter was one of my favorite quarters of football in BYU history. Just dominating uh by the offense and the defense. They both it, it, there's very few quarters where especially in the last 10 years where we have dominated a a good football team like that, right? This is this is not a bad football team. Yeah, they're maybe not the the best of the best uh team, but this is a top 40 at least team that Boise state has and you uh, kick the crap out of them for the game. But that third quarter was amazing.
1: You know, that, that game felt a lot to me. You know, sometimes you see this happens to a team is they come in a little bit tight are They, they're trying to be respectful of an opponent and they get in halftime and they look around at each other and they say, wait a minute, like we're, we're up 16 to three, but we feel like we know we're a lot better than this team. So let's relax and go out here and play our game. And that's what they did. They came out in the third quarter and just destroyed them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, as we talk about where this season fits, Matt, uh, in history, N- Dr. Nick had a question for us off of Facebook. He says, assuming the bowl game performance is on par with the rest of this season, where does Zach Wilson's season rank on the all-time list of best seasons by BYUQB? My hot take, Wilson's season is the best for a BYU QB. Since Detmer's Heisman campaign. Um, I'm going to go better than that. I think it's a better season than his Heisman campaign. I don't know if it's better than, his, than 1990 for Detmer. Uh, I'll, it, we need the last game for me to make that. But this is a top five season for a BYU quarterback. I, and, and the real question is, how, top, how is it better than those top three seasons of McMahon, Young, and Detmer? That that's the real question to me. I I don't think there's any doubt. Even if he plays a mediocre game in in the bowl, that this is a top five, top six season, right? I mean,
1: well, and I think the odds of him playing a mediocre game against UCF are pretty low. Pretty I mean, low. To, They're not a defensive at,
0: juggernaut this year.
1: And 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 typically, these types of season, these types of situations are where he shines, right? Um, you know, you look what he did in, in against uh, you know in the Potato Bowl. You look at. Um, I mean, historically, I mean, not every time, but historically, right. And even in, even in coast, coast Carolina, like got her back up against the wall and he put together a drive to give us a shot to win the game right there at the end. Uh, so I, I expect his, I expect his performance to be above average for him against central Florida. And this, he's clear, this is clearly a top five quarterback season at BYU. I mean, we'll get into some, I'm sure in the off season, we'll really break down some numbers on this, but this is, it's gotta be top five at least.
0: Yeah, I mean, think of his quote-unquote worst game against Coastal Carolina. 19 of 30, 240 yards, a touchdown, a pick, eight yards per completion, uh, per attempt.
1: That,
0: that is the best game for most college quarterbacks in a season. That's their best game or, or on par for their best game, right? And again, it was off the mark for him, the statistics he has put up outside of that game. But it's he hasn't had a bad game.
1: No yeah I'd say if that's his ba- if that's his worst game that's i would if in in the in all of college football I'd call that a very average performance if his worst game is average like uh then that's pretty good guys
0: yeah that's it's amazingly uh it is amazingly good and if you go back i mean i, I think he's better than any of the hall or um back seasons as good as those seasons were I just think he he's played at a different level than those guys did. And I, I think you really are, to Dr. Nick's point, you really are going back to Detmer to find a, a season that that is comparable to his, um, I think. And, I, and again, I think the 1990 season, I know he didn't win the Heisman, but he only didn't win the Heisman because he needed that 1990 year to get him in the national eye, right? Um, and... Um, but I don't know. There's been some pretty good, as you might have heard, some pretty good QB seasons in the history of BYU. Uh, but now we've got one that's happened since this podcast started because <laughs> we didn't. I mean, Taysom had some good years, right? Um, so it's nothing against the QBs that have played. None of them have been healthy and this good, right? Taysom had yeah, I mean, some we're, amazing we're, games, but
1: but we're watching and we're watching. This is an elite quarterback. That's oh, I mean, yeah. that's what he is. He's really? elite and. Um, you know, I know that he's, you know, he, he's not saying that he's made a decision to go and that, and that's probably smart. You don't, you know, I, that's an, you don't want to make an emotional decision there. Get away from, you know, he's, he's pretty busy trying to put together a season here. I get it. Um, but, uh, man, he's great. He's put himself in a pretty good position. He's created yeah, yeah, yeah. quite an opportunity for himself.
0: Yeah. And, uh, it'll be really sad when he gets drafted by the Cowboys and I can't root for him anymore. But
1: if he gets drafted by the Cowboys, do I get to go see him play?
0: Of course you do. You're going up the. I think to I Dallas. drive up there. Of yeah, course dude, we could meet. We could oh, meet. Oh yeah, it's like halfway. Well, it's a little farther for me than you, but but not by much. We could totally meet and do a boys' weekend and go watch Zach Wilson play quarterback. I mean, again, who knows where he's going to get picked? Right? I really uh, I still want him to go set. to
1: New England so I can buy a, a New England. And he's, not gonna he's not going to last.
0: He's not going to last that far. I don't think. I that was my pipe dream all year. And as I see these mock drafts and the grades that scouts are giving him, I'm sitting there. Never mind. And the Patriots are drafting very high, right? Uh, by any stretch of the imagination. So, all right. Well, as an update for you guys, we will record one more podcast before. Uh, not exactly sure the date. Might be. Uh, might be uh, Sunday night. Uh, that we do this, but we'll record one so the, uh a preview for the Central Florida game. You might notice we didn't preview it today because we spent our time having uh, other discussions. Sorry f- for those uh, tweet bag questions that we may have skipped. Uh, I'll try to hang on to those. If not, we'll just somebody will ask something similar in the off season about next year and and that stuff. I just want to talk about that. I just want to I just want to enjoy this season, man. I mean, it's been it's been remarkable, and we should enjoy it, right?
1: Yeah, and we've, we've, I I feel like we've been saying this for weeks, right? The experience we're having as BYU fans for both football and basketball, I mean, not to mention women's basketball right now, and Sheila Gonzalez bouncing the ball off a of defender's back twice and scoring five points in four seconds.
0: Yeah, that was I pretty mean, the awesome. Stuff that
1: we're, yeah, it's pretty cool. But the stuff that we're enjoying as BYU fans right now, It. I mean, this is pretty special string to put a, such a football season and what looks like a good basketball season together. Like, l- l- don't ruin it. Like just, let's just enjoy this. This is fun. This is supposed to be fun, and this is a season where it is going to be fun.
0: Yeah, and we don't need to look back at what ifs for this season, or what we what's going to happen next year. We got all off season to talk about next year, and the what ifs. We'll do an episode, I'm sure, in the off season about that as well, because we like to torture ourselves that way. Uh, but I would say let's just enjoy this. Well, thanks everybody for uh, downloading and listening. As always, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash rise and shout. Thanks again, and we will catch you next time. Go Cougars!